Hello everyone, uh, Sergio Calvo here uh, from the movie Wave. We have just recorded a podcast on Prometheus, and even though we say that we're not going to spoil anything, I don't, I, I, I don't know you, uh, Susanna, Mark, what do you think? But I think there, there are a few spoilers out there in this commentary of on Prometheus, so you can listen to it. I would recommend to watch the film first. And uh, this is the episode 21. Enjoy. All personnel is the captain. Brace for entry. Bring it down in five, four, three, two. has landed. It's time to dive in the dirty waters of film criticism. Tricycle Radio presents The Movie Wave with Sergio Calvo. Hello and welcome to The Movie Wave podcast. I am Sergio Calvo, motion arts editor of Tricycle. Joining the show today, we have we have film critic Susanna Marchant. Hello, Susanna. Hello. I'm Hello. film and television critic Mark Granger. Hello. It's been a long break since the last episode. I think yeah, it's, it's been a while. Partly because, uh, you know, uh, I've been ill for some time. Uh, Susanna was ill the last episode, so she couldn't make it. Mark Gringer. Mark is, is ill now, right now. I've, I've, I've been ill in between. I'm just about normal, as close as normal gets. Right, I think it's this time of the year. And, and, and also, uh, we've been postponing the podcast also because the sun came out for some time. And, you know, here you don't get to see the sky too often. So you have, you have to enjoy <laughs> it while you can. But we're, uh, we're back because uh, we are jubilant about cinema, the same way that many mortals seem to be jubilant about the superior monarchic class. Hear my excitement from here. But you know me, uh, the only queen I am a fan of is the one that wants to break free. Uh, <laughs> Mark Gringer wrote a great article about the Jubilee celebrations. I have put a link on Facebook for everyone to read. It's very funny. Uh, but um, please stop me now. I don't, don't want to go on a tangent so soon and the show must go on. Yeah, it's I time to take down the Sorry. Sorry, take the bunting, everyone. It's it's past. You know, it's just just take it down. <laughs> right. So it's episode twenty-one already, and today we are discussing uh, Sir Ridley Scott's. Let, let's just say Ridley. Ridley Scott's return to the alien universe, Prometheus. But before we get there, before we get to this uh, main discussion, as always, we will talk about the films that we've been watching. So let's start with uh, Susanna. What have you been watching? Hello. Um, well, first of all, uh, we will get to it. Um, I was catching up on my um, Alien and Aliens and all of that uh, before watching Prometheus, uh, but we'll get to that, um, I'm sure. Um, and then I also decided to watch some um, old stuff that was big. And, um, you know, when I was uh, a small girl, never really got to see them. Um, and first of those was uh, Strange Days. I don't know oh, if you've yeah. ever seen um, By Catherine Bigelow. I'm and not produced sure by I'm... James Cameron. <laughs> there you go. With Ralph Fiennes from With 1995. Ralph Fiennes, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, he was the first time 
I have never seen. I'd never seen it before. Um, so I'm not sure how many people ha- have seen it. Um, I don't. What about you, Mark? Have you ever seen it? I haven't. No, sorry. Uh, it's a. It's it's a basic kind of like a. It's trying to. You know, it's a 1990s futuristic film. It was you know a, a bit um, popular then. So it's a uh, it's a story about a uh, underground business of selling memories. So you basically wear this thing on your head, you record your memories, and then you sell them. And uh, so, and suddenly, those memories of, of murdered women appear, you know, while being murdered. And uh, there is a whole thing there with uh, some famous person being murdered as well, and that being recorded. It's just weird, and um, I really, I was, I was, I, I felt drained after watching it. <laughs> I have to, I have to admit. It does sound like a less fun Total Recall. Um, I... Uh, hmm. <laughs> Have you ever jacked in? Have you ever wire-tripped? No? A virgin brain. Well, we're gonna start you off right. This isn't like TV only better. This is life. Yeah, it's a piece of somebody's life. Pure and uncut. Straight from the cerebral cortex. You're there. You're doing it. Seeing it. Hearing hearing it. You're feeling it. It's about the stuff that you can't have, right? Like running into a liquor store with a 357 Magnum in your hand, feeling the adrenaline pumping through your veins. I can make it happen. I can get you anything you want. Just have to talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. I'm your priest. I'm your shrink. I'm your main connection to the switchboard of souls. I'm the magic man. Santa Claus of the subconscious. You say it. You even think it. Yeah. Are we beginning to see the possibilities here? You know you want it. It's, it's a very point. interesting concept, uh, I think. Uh, what did I oh, felt very original. The idea of trading... Uh, Memories. It was. It was yes. very interesting. I thought it was pretty well done. As far as I can remember, I saw it a long time ago. I don't know if it stands up. It, it was. I mean, because it was 1990s. Uh, there's obviously, you know, full frontal nudity and all that. Um, and because obviously, <laughs> obviously, I mean, I um, and that was, you know, obviously, I don't mean, I don't mind that at all. Because I mean, that's that's the part of that sort of cinema. But there was one scene there that I really, really liked. Um, out of the whole film, I'm afraid there was this one scene that I really, <laughs> really liked, um, and that was um, uh, basically the main character uh, bringing uh, a memory to his old pal, um, and you watch this memory, and you're not really understanding it. It was basically a memory of somebody jogging uh, on a beach. And then you kind of zoom out and, and you see that the person doesn't have any legs. And I thought, oh, that's really, really cool. Because it, it's kind of memories uh, with everything. So it's kind of, you can feel it, you can hear everything. It's it's like you're there. So I thought that was a very good idea for, for a scene. Mm. Um, but apart from that, I have to say the film was, I mean, you know, for, for 1990s, it was, it was great. I, I'm glad, you know, I got to see it. But, oof. So that was one, and the other one was from 1989, um, with Patrick Swayze, Roadhouse. Have you ever seen Roadhouse? Roadhouse? I've never seen it. Oh, oh my! Swayze. 
Snowfall <laughs> for the nudity, that is. <laughs> I gotta tell, I think it was because, I'm not sure if it was, well, I mean, it was the time when Patrick Swayze was really, you know, in. And um, it, it's uh, it's basically about a, a, a cooler, that's what they were called. People who work in bars and stuff, and they're kind of like a head of security type of person. They make sure that there is no rowdy behavior and uh, no violence and so on. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is... Dalton. I thought you'd be... Bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. Somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't, don't be rude. Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. Uh, I can't believe you haven't seen it. There was actually recently, there was a Roadhouse 2 after, what, 20 years? Really? Well, there, is well, a, yeah. there is a Dirty Dancing 2 as well. Just like, <laughs> not many people know they exist. Well, let's say about that. I know, but it's kind of... It, uh, I don't think it was... When you think about Patrick Swayze, you know, I don't think it was doing justice to his memory by doing those films <laughs> at the Roadhouse 2 and all that. It's just... Uh, just leave them alone. Um, so it was... It, uh, my um, my better half wanted us to watch that film, and I really didn't want to because I knew it was going to be hard on me. But um, he insisted, and he said, we can spread it out. We can watch it over a few days. And we didn't. We watched it in one sitting, and after after that, I was like, that was two hours of my life that I'm never getting back. <laughs> I, th- I think that's better than watching it over four days, though. <laughs> then, 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 you, then you come to dread it it's, it's like conditioning you'll, you'll have a reaction every time you see Patrick Swayze if you watch it over a period I of days I think so do you know what's interesting though that film was quite big then um, when it came out and I don't know if it was because not because of Patrick Swayze or because films like that were popular uh, but it was incredibly predictable and I'm just not sure if it's because I grew up on similar you know films that now would be B type films Um and I just, because I grew up on those, I now watch something from 1989 and I know exactly what's going to happen. It's so predictable. You know exactly how it's going to end, who's going to die, who's going to be hurt, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, That's a problem so that people kind of, have when they watch many films. Yeah. It's, uh, the thing is, uh, maybe in, in 1989, maybe it was original, you know? Yeah, but if it, if it was Swayze at the top of his career, the chances are it was always going to be seen as a bit of a fluff movie. So I, I think I think trying to try to ascribe this level of artistic merit to it <laughs> retroactively might be a bit misguided. I think it was. Probably oh, I'm sorry. Shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to give it something. I, 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 I don't think you're giving enough credit to the people of 1989. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, and then and I also obviously watched all the aliens uh, prepared myself for, for because I discovered, I just realized I had no idea that I only watched one alien out of the, the four, um, in, like in our entirety. I only saw like bits and pieces of the other ones or single scenes or something, 
but only one. I never knew I I hadn't seen it. It's just so. <laughs> So which one did you, which one did you watch? Um, quite funnily, the last one. Oh, that, that's the one I haven't seen because I've been told to avoid it. Oh, hold costs. on, which which one is the last one? Are we talking Res- Res- Resurrection? Resurrection? Because then there is this all the two films. There are these other two films. Oh, Alien oh, we're, we're not counting. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no count. Don't, don't be silly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's saw like two minutes of one of them, and uh, yeah, it's. I saw the first Alien vs. Predator. Apparently the second one was better. Yeah. But, you know, so, so was Salmonella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. No, um, I did see Alien vs. Predator. I never saw Alien vs. Predator or whatever it was, Alien vs. Predator 2. But no, I'm talking about the actual Alien proper. Uh, um, so, yeah, no, Resurrection was the one that I've uh, seen. That uh, so, yeah. yeah. Mark as well just got back to the reunion. <laughs> right, so uh, let's move to Mark. What have you been watching, Mark? Uh, well, apart from Alien, because I also got the anthology today for uh, a very reasonable sum on Blu-ray. Um, I've watched a couple of films. Uh, the first one I, I've had the urge to watch last week, and it was Tron Legacy, the sequel oh, to Tron. Yeah. That was yeah. out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, Possibly a controversial choice, but <laughs> uh, judging by the groans from the other side of the chat space, uh, no, I, I, I still really enjoy it. I think um, it, it, it's it's a kind of a popular sci-fi film. It's but it's not very it's not easy to understand unless you've seen the first one and kind of go with it. But I think um, with the relationship between Jeff Bridges as Kevin Flynn and his son as Sam. Um, especially Jeff Bridges' portrayal of it, I think it gives it a real heart, and I think it was a, a brilliant idea to have Jeff Bridges play both the hero and the villain of the piece, and he lends it a proper gravity. Um, apart from that, I just think it's it's a, a well-executed, beautiful-looking film, a, a, a good, popular sci-fi film, but also one with heart. You've created a vast, complex system. In there... Uh, and one of the other good reasons I watched it is because, like Prometheus, which we'll get onto in a second, it's written by some of the writers behind Lost. And I think, like Prometheus, you can see their hands in that. I think it's quite evident. Uh, things like father issues in in um, in Tron Legacy. It's, it's it's exactly the same sort of ideas that were found in Lost. But yeah, it, it's a, it's a lovely film. It's got a great soundtrack. And it's got Jeff Bridges being awesome. I don't see what else he can need. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually really enjoyed uh, the Troll Legacy. Um, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't expect too much because I don't think the original was a classic anyway. <laughs> I mean, if the, orig- the original, if the original wasn't a was masterpiece, like, but uh, it's, it's still fun. I, I think it's it's a, it's it's it, fun. I think if you count the original as a sort of tech demo, yeah. uh, you know, back in the, in the day, it would have probably blown your mind, but I think they did really well in Legacy yeah. to flesh it out without dulling it down. Um, I just think it's a, it's a, it's it's on the right side of being a popcorn movie, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the other film I've watched is slightly different um, in that it's a Japanese zombie B movie <laughs> called <Whoa>. Wild Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. 
I'm not sure if anyone's aware of Wild Zero. Um, it's nope. it's a, it's about the Japanese garage rock band called Guitar Wolf, who are a real band who I actually went to see this week, and it was awesome, and I'm still partly deaf from it. Um, and it's about them and their mate fighting zombies who have come about by <laughs> a meteorite. But also, there's a tour promoter who's basically chasing them around the, around the towns without any, ever encountering a zombie. Uh, and it's all about rock and roll and love. <laughs> and there's a zombie love story and there's uh, transgender people and there's lots of zombies getting shot in the face and everything spurts fire. Did you and just say zombie love story? There is a zombie love story, yes. <laughs> there is there is a zombies in love. There's a zombies in love, yes. That is so awesome. I hope, yes. I, I, hope, I hope it doesn't have Patrick Tracy there. <laughs> it doesn't. Oh, no. oh, oh, it does, however. It does, however, have a. It has too, a soon. Uh, too soon. There is a. There's a zombie who looks like Steve Buscemi, but he's Japanese. He's the Japanese Steve Buscemi. And if you search for that on Google, you will get a picture from the film. Um, but yeah, so I watched that because I was going to see the good band Guitar Wolf did a short UK tour, and I went to see them. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that was a bit different. That sounds, that sounds weird. Yeah, it's very weird. So <laughs> so I will probably take it out. <laughs> well, it, the thing is, it knows it's it's weird and it knows it's daft, but it, it's yeah. very, very comfortable at the same time. Yeah, I, li- I like when there is this self-awareness uh, when they're not Yeah. To, well, it's like the, the, tour promoter, the tour promoter who chases around wears wigs and hot pants uh, and eventually gets superpowers and just starts shooting lasers out of the <laughs> caps. The caption underneath is, this really does it for me. It's just, think, it's think, just maniacally. I think you sold it to me, and I'm really going to take it out. Yep, I think it's about a tenner uh, from various um, okay. digital web stores. Okay. Wild Zero. Have a look. Okay, and uh, how, how is Guitar Wolf uh, life? Noisy. <laughs> very, <laughs> very noisy. Uh, noisy. Uh, noisy, lots of cider. Um, I did catch the bass's plectrum. That was quite cool. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was noisy and sweaty, but very, very rock and roll. So all good. All right. Well, I I think I I don't think you can say but if it's noisy and sweaty, then it is rock and roll. Oh yeah, it was very. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, two films I have to talk about. Uh, very different from the ones we just mentioned. The first one is uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's called Café de Flore. Um, it's a Quebecois film from, uh, from Quebec. The same, Any zombies? <laughs> there are no zombies in it. Uh, uh, there, is, there, is, there is a supernatural element to it, but I'll get, I'll get into it in a minute. Uh, it's by the guy that brought us, I don't know if you remember, um, some years ago... Um, I think like uh, seven years ago, there, there was this guy um, brought us the film Crazy. Uh, it was uh, spelled C dot R dot A dot C dot Y dot. It was just this kind of a ca- coming of age story of a young boy who was obsessed with the David Bowie, uh, who painted his face as David Bowie and his crazy family. Uh, th- this time uh, we have two different stories, two intercut narratives. One of them is in the 60s where a single mother played by uh, Vanessa Par- Paradis or Paradise or Paradis whatever you, how you pronounce it is the I think she's the girlfriend of the Johnny Depp actually uh, I don't uh, or uh, not anymore she, I don't know I thought there were rumors that they split up not oh, that it's me. important I'm sorry continue <laughs> <laughs> 
I knew there were gonna be there were gonna be tangents on this show. Well, so it's Vanessa Paradis is uh, she's got this uh, son with uh, Down syndrome, and he she really loves him. And uh, soon the, his son falls deeply in love with one of his uh, class, classmates. And uh, then uh, the, she starts feeling a bit jealous. Uh, then there is a different story. There's, it's also a love story. The other one is in the present, and it's a uh, protagonist is a successful DJ. He's living in Montreal. Sometimes he, he, he does uh, gigs in London as well. He's got a beautiful girlfriend, two, two daughters and uh, one ex-wife. And the ex-wife hopes that someday uh, he will return to her. Do you believe in soulmates? I like the concept that someone, somewhere, is meant to be with you forever. Even though I am happy now, I still feel I fucked it up somehow. Fucked up my life, my families. Like I don't deserve to live anymore. If it's a soulmate, it's not supposed to end, right? It's not supposed to happen twice in a lifetime. So they are both uh, both pretty much love stories uh, in which uh, family uh, has a very important role. Two stories that they don't seem to have uh, any apparent connection, but later, later on, there is this supernatural element that I talked about uh, in the narrative that, w- that will bring the two stories together. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to say why it is, and that's something that I really appreciated. Uh, uh, partly because I, I really thought uh, while watching the film that it was going nowhere, and uh, I was also constantly bothered by how perfect-looking some of the actors were, and uh, and how overly stylized. The, the film was which kind of worked for me in, uh, with the film Crazy but uh, didn't uh, completely work for me on this one but in the end eventually um, this uh, uh, French-Canadian director Jean-Marc Vallée if I pronounce it right he did manage to put uh, all the pieces together very well uh, and the film did win me and uh, I did fall for it uh, so that's one recommendation from me but there is another one uh, and it's uh, an older one from '71. It's a Straw Dogs. Uh, there is a there is a there was a remake recently. Uh, this one is a uh, North American too, but uh, from the USA to be precise. But it's actually shot in England, and it was directed by uh, Sam Sam Peckinpah, uh, who is uh, who was very well known for making very uh, bloody and violent films. Uh, it, it stars uh, Dustin Hoffman, who plays a. Uh, uh, an American mathematician who, who moves to the English countryside uh, with his English wife uh, where he he thinks he's going to find peace, the peace that he needs uh, to concentrate on, on his academic work. But instead, he finds uh, some very threatening locals who are increasingly uh, harassing him and his wife, kind of bullies. Uh, it's very tense, uh, very, very creepy, uh, a little bit uh, ambiguous at times because... Uh, well, particularly there's this rape scene where it's not very clear what, what's going on uh, and in the end it gets like crazy violent as well 
And the way that the, the locals are depicted in this film, it made me think that uh, at times that maybe the Americans who made this film don't like English people at all. <laughs> but I don't think it's I don't think it's a racist film. It's uh, you know it's the, it's the fear of the locals that seems to be a normal currency in horror films and pop culture. If you think if you think about it, you probably seen some of these titles: the, the Wicker Man or American Werewolf in London, Eden Lake. And also this uh, British TV comedy, The League of Gentlemen, they have made the, the English uh, countryside look like the creepiest place on earth. <laughs> and um, well, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what you might have to say about it. It's probably not, I, I'm in doing. I'm, I'm not saying a word. I'm not saying a word. <laughs> but here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, Strodok uh, it gets to a, a level of uh, uneasiness and discomfort and, and fear that. That proves that you don't need monsters, ghosts, or, or serial killers to to make a horror film. Okay, you've had your fun. I'll give you one more chance. And if you don't clear out now, there'll be real trouble. I mean it. This is David Sumner. All his life he's been running away, turning his back on trouble, involvement, and confrontation. Until now. Five men out there. I know that. He took his wife and fled to an English country town. There was once a time, Mrs. Sumner, when you were ready to beg me for it. Take your hands off me. I'm going. Hmm? Hmm? It's an animal. He thought he could find peace and refuge. Instead, he found that a man can't hide forever. I care. This is where I live. I will not allow violence against this house. As a horror film, or, you know, you can call it a psychological thriller if you prefer. It's very efficient. And I really like this film. The only concern I have is that it made me fear English people. So I start feeling <laughs> afraid of Mark right now. But it's not, it's not only the English uh, that are scary in films. Uh, uh, to be fair, my, my people as well. The, the Basques were uh, also depicted as creepy as hell. And there was a film called The Back Boots that stars Gary Oldman. And it takes, it takes place in the Basque uh, countryside. And it was pre- pretty similar. So uh, everyone can be creepy. Anyways. Just, you know, just it just depends on... Uh, your prejudices, I suppose. I guess, I guess. I, I, I was at the very beginning of the film. I was thinking, this, uh, the people who made this film, they might not like the English, but I, yeah. I assume it could take place anywhere else. Uh, so. But then I think other way. If you look at it the other way, some sometimes when you have uh, British films and there is like uh, one or two Americans in it, um, in them, uh, very often the portrait is not very smart or uh, yeah. in a negative light. So yeah. I think it, it goes both ways. Yeah, but the, the, the film The Wicker Man it was a British film, so it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know even so the, it, it could take place anywhere. So it's, I, I don't think my first concern about racism. I, uh, then, then I realized I, it has nothing to do with that. It's more to do with the local people. Maybe because we are all urbans, so we are afraid of going to the countryside or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, it's... all that oh, all that fresh air and oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. hey, anywhere anywhere where there's that little phone signal, something's going to be wrong. No phone if, you signal. Get, if, you if you can't get on Facebook on your on your phone, exactly. the world just goes to toss. Exactly. 
That's the actual, that's the real fear there. That's the real fear. <laughs> but anyway, Straw Dogs. I uh, I think it's a timeless classic. Uh, I'm talking of time. It's time to talk about Tricycle. Find more film reviews at tricycle.co.uk and check out the back catalog of magazines free. Listen to our podcast extra an exclusive feature of the Tricycle website. Also coming soon, we have Mark Granger's glorious TV column, Always a Treat. Yep, we'll Look- be talking about Mad Men, House, and The American oh, Killing this time. Looking forward to that. I've got some good news here. You can now listen to the movie away from Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is an on-demand internet radio service that focuses on news and information, radio and podcasts. And it provides free online streaming through the, the website and also using... Uh, Uh, mobile applications Uh, go to stitcher.com and download your free stitcher app that will give you access to our podcast and many other if you like our podcast subscribe for free on itunes and every new episode will be automatically downloaded to your pc iphone or android you can also go to the moviewave.podbean.com to get access to our episode archive if you agree or disagree with what we say, you can share your thoughts on our Facebook page at the facebook.com slash the movie wave. Like us and you will get notified about new reviews and you will also get regular updates on all the movie action. There is something for everyone. Now let's have a wee break and we'll be back talking about Ridley Scott's monstrous epic Prometheus. We are back and it's time to talk about Ridley Scott's sci-fi horror Prometheus. That's the the name of the spaceship where the Dragon Tattoo Girl, Numi Rapaz, the omnipresent uh, Michael Fassbender and the beautiful Charlize Theron embark on a journey to the darkest corners of the universe. Please tell me you can read that. What are you doing, David? I'm attempting to open the door. Wait. We don't know what's on the other side. Oops. Sorry. Remarkably human. Beautiful painting. Stop, stop, don't touch it. Sorry. 
please don't touch anything. going first <laughs> <laughs> right I, ha- I have i have many i have many things to say about prometheus uh, this is a film that i've been looking forward for i've been looking forward to for a long time but mm-hmm. i want to hear what you guys have to say first and I, we're going to try to avoid spoilers here we don't want to give uh, too much away uh, but first of all uh, can can any of you guys put this film into context it's just for the listeners who are familiar with the Alien franchise, or just uh, where, uh, where, where does this film stand? Is, is, is it a sequel, a prequel? Tell us a little bit I, of that. I can try. Um, I think the best way to describe it is um, both Ridley Scott and writer Damon Lindelof have said that it's it's no longer a prequel to Alien. Uh, and they're, they're kind of right, and they're also kind of wrong. Um, there is direct links to Alien. I think that goes without saying, and also not too spoilery. Yeah. Uh, so there is there is links there. Yeah. But it's not about uh, it's not about how the story of Alien came to be. It's more of a, it's much more of a side story. Mm. It, it's a tangent coming from Alien going into the past for, in that universe. So I think that's possibly the best way to describe it. It's a side story that has direct links. It's not the origin story of aliens Nostromo or the planet they land on because it's on a totally different planet altogether. It's just, it has links. Uh, it's more, so let's say, it's very let's associated say, with it. Let's say it's a standalone prequel side story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Why not call it a sp- spin-off? It's so much stronger. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it is, it, 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 as you said, there is a, a direct link to, to the original Alien films. Uh, I would say it's an Alien film. Uh, it is an Alien film. Uh, I'm going to get into it in a minute. Uh, it has uh, many elements from the Alien mythology. Uh, and then uh, it's going to connect directly with the narrative of the first Alien film uh, after two more sequels that Ridley Scott has announced. Uh, what? So this is going to be basically like Star Wars like the two trilogies, oh. it's going to be. I read, I read that uh, sequels weren't guaranteed. Uh, if at the end of the film, it kind of, it's, it's kind, you know, it's kind of hoping to. Well, it's obvious they ended the film so that they could have a door open for a follow-up if if there is. Well, you know, no, they don't. There is more. There is money on this franchise. There is, there is like a big mm-hmm. fan base, and uh, you know, they want to cash up on it. Basically, uh, what, what was in, what was interesting though is. Um, David Lindelof in a recent interview said that, you know, if they do get the chance to do a sequel, he envisages that it'll go further away from the concepts of Alien and keep it more more of a Prometheus universe as opposed to an Alien universe. It'll, it'll continue more on its side story and tangentialize off from Alien further. So that'll be interesting to see if they actually stuck to that. Right, right. Okay, I think that that's that's kind of put into context. Uh, one more thing: the the other alien films are first alien. I know, I know that prepared. I don't have the dates here, but in the eighties, really Scott made the first alien film. Then came the James Cameron version, uh, Aliens, 
Uh, then David Fincher made one. Was that in the 90s or still in the late, late 80s? David Fincher's version? As you, have, as you have it written down somewhere. Well, David Fincher made one that uh, wasn't very well uh, reviewed. Uh, didn't have uh, uh, critics weren't very happy with it. Uh, and then came um, Jean-Pierre Jeanette's uh, Alien Resurrection. Uh, and after the other kind of spin-offs, uh, Alien versus Predator, but they don't count. They don't count. So, all right, let's get into it, guys. What do you think of Prometheus? Mark, go first, please. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought it was very interesting that for a film that's been very, very, very heavily trailed, um, you know, it, there's been viral marketing, there's been uh, special trailers in between Homeland's finale and all sorts like that. I think it did very well to be nothing like what I was expecting it to be. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised with the, with the final product because I thought, you know, I thought you'd seen all the best bits and that was going to be it uh, but it turns out the final film was nothing like what had been trailed um, interesting to see the direction they went with things like the crew because if you think of Alien the crew of the Nostromo are like a close-knit group and you can tell that they all know each other they get on whereas Prometheus is kind of thrown together and they get to know each other as it goes on that obviously leads to people you know you can tell who's going to be dying first off and all that type of stuff but um, yeah I thought it was, it's it's an interesting concept, obviously one that's a bit more lofty than Alien because it deals with how humans came to be and creationism and all that type of thing, but in space. Um, I thought it had some very strong links with Alien, but not ones that would overpower the film as a whole. I don't think they detracted from the film. You know, it's it's you can see how, how the themes of Alien and some of the aspects could have realistically evolved from Prometheus if they'd been made the other way around. Um, and some, you know, some very cool nods to to the original film, like the designs of some of the the ships and bits on the planet and so forth. Um, obviously, obviously, Michael Fassbender is excellent because he always is. But I thought Idris Elba was well worth a mention as well, going back to his American accent that he used in The Wire. Um, and yes, I thought it was generally well cast and had some incredibly squeamish moments. But also had a nice after after the first half hour, which I thought dragged a bit. I thought it had a nice level of tension that was maintained the whole way through, despite the fact it was a bit more of a, of a grand action film than Alien was. Bigger, yeah, de- oh, definitely bigger. Uh, but I think they managed to keep it on a nice personal level throughout most of the film, and by having like say one what, having the characters interact mostly in one-on-one scenarios I thought that managed to keep up quite a bit of the tension so you weren't quite sure what was going on and there was some very cool moments with uh, with Fassbender's character David okay. and how he interacted with people especially when having them drinks <laughs> um, <laughs> I won't spoil that <laughs> alright uh, what about you Susanna what do you think of Prometheus I'm not sure we saw the same film <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, interesting. Yeah. interesting. Um, because um, it was, I mean, to me, it was obvious that they threw a lot of money into the uh, designs and the special effects, and uh, it was beautiful. It was really visually stunning. I really thought it was, it was. wonderful. And and the beginning uh, with uh, uh, Fassbender, um 
really kind of put you into the mood and I thought oh this is going to be great you know when he just walks around the ship and um, all alone um, and then it just went downhill I mean um, you know obviously yeah, it was it was a good idea and it was really really beautifully done but it had so many holes in it the story had so many holes in it I just kept the thing is I love science fiction I absolutely adore it and um, I don't care if this if a science fiction film is low budget or not um, I just want to be convinced by the story and it had so many plot holes in it I it, it was hard for me to watch it it was painful I have a whole list of them and I would like to you know share them all with you but I can't because you don't you won't let me do any spoilers so I can maybe, um, for example, can I ask you, why, do you remember the geologist in the film? I can't remember his name. The guy with <laughs> the cool haircut. Yeah, yeah. He was a geologist. The guy who was in charge of the mapping of the underground. Yeah. How the hell would a scientist geologist who was mapping the place, how did he get lost? Everybody else left, no problem, he got lost. Well, in, in the context of the film, I'd say maybe because the mapping was sent back to the ship and not to him. That is bullshit. Come on, come on, hey, come on. If, <laughs> if they're so, if they're so, I mean, obviously it's in the future. It's all. I mean, they spent what was it trillion dollars on it the project? It was a trillion dollars, yeah. Yes, on the project. And yet, Which in the example, future, it might not be that much money. In the future, a trillion dollars, it might be just like you, might, you, can, you can only buy a like coffee with that. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, they said it in a way that kind of, you know, made me think that it was a lot of money. And they somehow managed to throw together a group of people who had, you didn't know each other, who didn't seem to be professional at all. What kind of a scientist goes to an alien planet and then takes his helmet off? Yes. Because his computer tells him, oh, I can breathe here. You don't do that. That's why I was thinking about watching it. Don't take do it that. off. I would never take it off. And then he seemed to convince everyone instantly to take theirs off as well. What do you think I'll say? Is if you watch Alien, then it didn't do John Hurt much good keeping his helmet on. <laughs> it's just, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. So the science, no, I don't know. So anyways, and then there was a biologist, a biologist who went on a mission, you know, on a starship. And then they discover, you know, all those bodies. Um, and he wants to go back to the ship. He's a biologist. Wouldn't he be the first one who would want to dissect them and look at them and learn something rather than run away? I'm sorry. That, 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 just, that, just, really, that just really grated me. And, um... See, uh, you, you're... Uh... Your complaint is about uh, the behavior of the the characters. Behave. I mean, obviously, yes, but because they're supposed to be professionals, and they totally were not. Uh-huh. They were supposed to be scientists on a science mission, and it was they were just behaving so weirdly. Like, um, oh, the scene. Okay, I won't spoil this scene. A scene involving a medical procedure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love that scene. <laughs> that scene, I have to say, that scene was very interesting, yes. 
However, I, I, I was watching that with a pregnant person. She wasn't very happy. <laughs> if, you, if you if you do that kind of a procedure, and I'm not you were you sorry, know. you were watching it with a pregnant person. Yes. Oh my goodness. If you do that kind of a procedure, and have all the muscles in your in in your belly, you know, cut across, and then stitched back together, those muscles let you walk. She would not be able to walk, not you know, not. She was running after that. With so, would you, would you say that you're more a fan of the science part of science fiction <laughs> than the suspension <laughs> of disbelief and the fiction element that comes oh, after it? You know what? I would buy that if, for example, there was a bit in the machine that could mm. heal heal your uh, uh, tissue, like you know, very quickly, right? Then I could buy that. But that was just too much. I, I just there was and and the whole and the story with the with the development of the of the creature. It, it, it just I don't I didn't understand it. Did it I don't the, the one, it. I think one of the biggest requisites for the enjoyment of this film is the suspension of this belief. That's really really important. But for the viewers, you cannot put time to practice. They're gonna have a lot of problems with the with certain aspects of the. The, the story and that, 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 that's one of them which is, which is the most really at, the, at the same time it's the most uh, let's say memorable and effective for shocking part or shocking scene in the film it's a big set piece uh, but yeah I, I understand what you're going for there this Susanna no, I, I, think, I love aliens and I love I love you know science fiction and films like that and it totally I can totally suspend this suspend belief it's absolutely possible however if you have and the thing is those are just you know mild hindrances but there were actual holes in the plot like um, uh, the um, guy at the end the 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 the, the, the uh, main character she was being chased by the the, the baddie Right. I don't want to do any spoilers here, so I'm trying to find words. Do, do you, um, and she opened the door so that he got, you know, um, mm. dealt with. Do you remember that scene? Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. If this, why would he? First of all, why would he just leave his place just to grab some lady, silly lady who was going to die anyway, and leave the place, which made a whole continue co- continuity. A kind of error with the alien because that was the person that in the alien they found on the ship. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yes, that that was that was one of the race of people that they found on the ship on one of those types of ship. It wasn't the same person. No, but they said uh, in the film that they, there was only one alive. All the other ones did were dead. Yeah, but I, th- I think the idea was is that if you have that one who is dealt with at the end of the film as he's obviously going to be i think the idea was that these people had been going around planets terraforming yes and or destroying and the tool used for destruction as we know was the the black goo which eventually and so forth um so i think the idea was because it was set on a different planet to alien i think the idea was that one of them went onto this other planet and suffered a similar fate by whereby the their techniques were turned against them how was, it a different, how, how was it a different planet? That was the same ship that Nostromo. No, no, yeah, yeah, it's the same type of ship. But if, it, but in in Prometheus, the the temple they went into with the ship underneath was one of three. 
Mm-hmm. And that wasn't their home planet even. So the idea is, is that there's more of them, and one of them crashed on the planet that Alien is on, or met his fate on the planet Alien's on. That's, the, well, that's, the, why, it's, that's why it's not a direct prequel to Alien. Well, the problem, the problem here sorry. is if you go into that, that kind of detail, uh, you're really giving a lot away. You're basically saying, I mean, you're kind of explaining the film. <laughs> Mm. Explaining I mean, it's, what, it's, it's, what, it's, what the aliens were, uh, you can you cannot really go yeah. there because it's, okay, it's, okay, it's giving away it's, too much. Okay, it's, it's the same imagery, but it's not. It wasn't meant to be the same direct same character that you saw later on in Alien. Okay, you see the thing. The the, the thing is for me. The way I saw the, the the last scenes when the 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 ship crashed and it kind of landed to this awkward position. That was the position. That was so, that was seen um, in Alien when Nostromo found it. So if you're telling me that was a different ship, okay, I can buy that. Then I can understand that. However, well, um, but Alien, you, Alien was it was flat. It was like honest. It was as it's meant to be. Whereas in Prometheus, I believe it was on its side. It was on the side, and then it mm. crashed. It, it, it's it's de- it's definitely different though. Okay. <laughs> okay, I can buy that then. Tell me this: <laughs> um, <laughs> is any of this going to go into the podcast? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm, Tell co- me I'm considering okay, so, it. <laughs> I don't know. So there is. We know from trailers and stuff like that. This will not be a spoiler. That they are going to this planet because they found those uh, ancient artifacts and paintings and so on. Mm-hmm. Kind of inviting them there. Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, by, by showing those. that there was sure there was something else there. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, like, like uh, aliens like, pointing, aliens yeah. pointing, yeah. saying, "Come and see us here." Mm. Why Let's say they that they decipher a map. Why, why would they be pointing to a dead planet that is basically a military base on which nobody, like, there is nobody alive there? Why would they be pointing to that? I can't really explain that one. <laughs> if you're, you know, I mean, not, not, not being a writer or an alien, I can't really, you know. It would, it would kind one. of make sense if it was an alien planet, right? If it was a planet full of some here, sort of an Here's alien the thing: the space, the space jockey that we see, that's yes. the that's the one that was in the first film, where the Nostromo lands on this planet, and they yes. finds they find this. Uh, Spaceship with the space jockey that is dead, and this, that's one. Yes. That's one bit. I haven't seen the film in a long time, but I know it's a bit in the film that no one questioned. And this film is kind of bringing it back, so it's directly yes. linked. That that bit is the same. It's the same space jockey. It's the same spaceship. I assume it's not. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's because it's it's a different planet that they're landing on. It, the, I, I can't really talk about this without spoiling. I don't know if you want to cut. <laughs> but, uh, I think we have spoiled think, quite a lot already. Yeah. I'm sorry it, for the listeners. Think, I don't know what I'm going to do with this material because uh, we've we go into so much detail that we're really giving away what the. I mean, we're giving them maybe, the answers. Maybe, maybe we can put a, a thing on the start saying, oh, you listen after you've seen the film. But the if the idea is that these beings go around terraforming or, you know, getting rid of everyone in a biblical flood then I, the idea I think because it's not the same one because that, that you know, it's the same planet it's a different planet and alien the idea is is that it's the same civilization who have the same type of spaceships hence the callbacks and, you know all that type of stuff but the one in alien is a different 
ship with a different space jockey that's landed on a different planet to do whatever right. he's going to do there. Right, because I, I, I thought I thought it was I also it was the same spaceship, but if I, I was aware there was a different planet because every every yeah. every, every creature yeah. is a different. I think that's I think that's the slightly confusing aspect because you have all these things which it has to say these are the same people, but it wasn't the same actual person. It wasn't the okay, same well, space jockey. Okay, well then, can jockey. you see? Can you see though how? Because we're having problems here, we have to explain stuff to each other. How <laughs> this is not good film writing. If this was I, I really see, can, properly the, done, we would not be having problem. this conversation. Well, yeah, you, I can see that, but or, you know, I think we might get, we, we might or, get or more out of it in a second viewing. It might get all. Yeah, I mean, it might, it might all I get think really clear. Will, <laughs> it's ri- it's written so that everybody has to go and see it twice, and then it will make. <laughs> Make more yeah, money out of it. You know that. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just, I, 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 I thought it was fairly evident that it wasn't the same planet. If the events that the events well, not be been heard, but the events that you know end the film, for example, prove that it's not the same one. Because as you say, if it was the same one, it's totally diff- It's totally out of the context and out of the canon of the story. So, I, I, you, I think the idea was to say that this is what they do this is what can happen and this is kind of what can go wrong and therefore Alien is a different planet and that's what happened there. But that's just me. <laughs> Everyone else go and see it twice. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Um, uh, maybe they don't need to watch it because we already ex- explained what happens in the film. I, I, I wanted to go through the mythology or mythology thing aspect of uh, Alien and uh, and see see how how that connects this film with the Original film, and one one thing that's very obvious is that really Scott, uh, he's very interested in history. Uh, if you look at his uh, films, or some of his films like Gladiator or Kingdom of Heaven, or this one, 1492, about the discovery of America as well. In in, in this film, you can see his interest in the uh, Greek mythology, because obviously the, the main name of the film and then the name of the spaceship mm. it comes from a. Uh, the Greek mythology, I think, is referred to a titan who, who takes a fire away from uh, from the gods, from Zeus, I think, and he gave. Uh, he had his he had his liver eaten every day, ex- didn't he? By a bird. Yeah, he he he's punished by having his uh, liver eaten by an eagle. I think for like forever, so it's, mm. it's yeah. very very painful punishment. So the, the, I think the moral of the story is very simple: just don't mess with the gods, which is uh, kind of what happens in, in this film. But I think that the the, the alien films, uh, the alien universe has a mythology of its own as well, because we have these elements that get repeated both in the original film and in this film. You have the xenoforms or uh, the, the alien, the androids. Uh, in the first film, in the first film, we have um, who was playing it, Ian Holm, uh, yeah. and then um, Bishop in the aliens, uh, uh, James Cameron's one. The, it, it, it is called David in this one, that played by Fassbender. You, you have a multicultural crew. You have the spaceship, Nostromo in the first one, and Prometheus here, the company, the Willen Corporation. And uh, all these elements, I think, are fundamental in any alien movie. So I, I, it is an alien film. So we have all that, uh, but Prometheus, uh, I think he adds uh, something like a, a more uh, profound or more intellectual dimension, asking the big questions, that where do we come from, uh, why are we here, and all that. So it's much more ambitious. But uh, my question is, like, does it really work? For me, for me, it didn't. It didn't work. I think it wants to be both a sci-fi horror, like a B movie, and an existential 
kind of a, a space odyssey. Uh, so I, ha I have here <laughs> a list of things that I think that made the first f film the, the horror masterpiece that it is, and I think this movie lacks. And uh, the first alien that in uh, in Spain was titled uh, Alien the Eighth Passenger. Uh, it was released in 79, so I have that here, 79. Uh, it, I think this film worked because of simplicity. It was a very simple premise. Uh, it looked more at the small picture, and it was very straightforward. You know, this uh, mining ship that lands on on a distant planet, and then they go to investigate this uh, SOS, and then the song, somehow a ma uh, an alien manages to, to get into the ship, and it starts stalking them all. And the, the people felt real. The sets felt real. Even the alien felt real. Uh, mm. It was very well designed. There was, was very claustrophobic as well. Exactly, uh, exactly. That's the uh, atmosphere was great, very atmospheric. There was this constant sense of dread. There was this this unnerving silence. Uh, there was uh, also a lot of space, uh, and this this slow pace and this an anticipation of death that made it very suspenseful as well. And uh, he knew when to show and when to suggest. It could be very explicit at times. Uh, we all remember the, the the part where you know the alien comes out of the who was it? Uh, John Hart. John Hart. Uh, yes. uh, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't overuse the, uh, this this kind of explicit uh, uh, bloody scenes. We have the scene uh, of John Hart that was very shocking, and it was also something that we had never seen before. Obviously, now we have seen many things since then. He understood very much the concept of mystery, the idea that some things need to be left unanswered. Like, you know, I referred to it before, this space jockey, who is it? Where does the alien come from? Prometheus tries to add this layer of depth and aims for a complexity, but I think it turns out to be just complicated, as we just found out when we're discussing it right now. It has some very good ideas, but I think that too many ideas are thrown into into the mix. The characters, you uh, Susanna were explaining the way they behave. I think that there are some script problems as well, uh, the way that the characters were defined in this in this in this uh, in the writing of, of the film. I think that you have very amazing, amazing performances by all of the actors. I have all, only but praise for the actors, but they, I think they struggle with the material they have. The self, the set, the sets felt very artificial. Everything is too new, too shiny. Uh, maybe maybe it's this modern turn into in, into the the the, the alien uh, film, and there is this. Well, that, that's what, that's what I found interesting when I watched Alien again. Yeah. Um, very you, recently. You like, you like the upgrade? Well, no, it's it, not necessarily that. I, just, I think it's funny how when you have a sequel to a film from the seventies, which is set yeah. before it, I like how the idea that the technology before the 70s film is brilliant and then the 70s by the time the 70s film comes along which is set in the future to that one all the technology gets crapper <laughs> it's just like in the future we'll go back to flashing no, you can look back at the first alien it doesn't look uh, it, it looks very real for me it feels very real because it feels organic there isn't any CGI in it. It feels organic. And this is one of the very rare examples of films were in the, made in the 70s that stands up. The, the, you can watch it now, and it has, it, it has this real feeling. Uh, nothing looks like cardboard. It was a magnificent, magnificent achievement, I think, by the uh, production uh, designers or whoever the team made this, made this, this, this aspect of the, of the film. 
another, another problem I have with this film, uh, there is a mad silence. There's this constant noise and music, very loud music. And it follows this, this golden rule of every sequel or prequel. It is louder and it is bigger, as I said before. But in the end, a film just suffers from excess. It's, everything is too excessive. And there is, there, is, there is a much pace because there are no breaks. In the film, there are no breaks. Everything happens really fast. They kind of like hurry up things. And uh, I think it has to do a lot with the cutting. I think they, they have probably cut up big chunks of, out of the film. And we're probably going to see a director's cut soon because no really Scott film is ever finished. It's never the final cut. And that's something that really annoys me. As much as I like... Uh, really Scott. There is also no atmosphere because the scene is very saturated with images and sounds. Think of, of the of these holograms or the, the CTI all over the place. And it's always graphic. There's, uh, there's never anything suggestive. There's not much left to our imagination because everything is shown. We see the broken bones, we see burning bodies, we see the open surgery. It's all very explicit. It's all more gross and, uh, than it is scary. And really Scott is very well known for being a visual director, but here he doesn't use images to evoke ideas. Instead, he uses the characters for exposition. We have the, the characters explain to us what's happening. And this makes you reconsider his other films. It makes you wonder if he ever used his visual flair for, to convey ideas or, uh, or it was just a hook to sell the movie because after all, he comes from advertising. And I like the film... To talk to me, not the characters. The film wants to be more than it is. It wants to be 2001. And Ridley Scott, by playing Kubrick, is playing God. And you don't mess with the gods. Am I interrupting? Thought you might be running low. Pour yourself a glass, pal. Thank you, but I'm afraid it would be wasted on me. You think we wasted our time coming here, don't you? Your question depends on me understanding what you hope to achieve by coming here. What we hope to achieve was to meet our makers, to get answers. Why they even made us in the first place. Why do you think your people made me? We made you because we could. Can you imagine how disappointing it would be for you to hear the same thing from your creator? <laughs> May I ask you something? Please do. How far would you go to get what you came here all this way for? Your answers. What would you be willing to do? Anything and everything. Uh, I know uh, a lot of interesting things here. Uh, film references. Uh, really, Scott, he loves movies. And you can tell when you watch the film. He's a very good director. And there are a lot of, uh, not only film references, but he knows the craft. One, one, one interesting uh, reference here is the Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, there is one thing I noticed uh, while watching the film. It's that when the spaceship landed in that planet, whatever the planet was, probably a very strange, it probably has a very strange name, that kind of uh, uh, desert or that kind of esplanade, uh, for me, pretty much resembled the one in um, Lawrence of Arabia. I saw, and I know this because I saw it very recently, I saw it like a, a, a month ago. Uh, in, in, in that, that's the scene in which Peter O'Toole rides the camel while singing, and the singing kind of echoes. Uh, uh, but I might, I might be wrong here, but I think that's taken away from Lawrence of Arabia. And then there's the character of David. That it is either called David because uh, of the robot in IA, 
or oh, sorry, an AI. I heard that from a, from a critic, or maybe David David Lin, because I think a, a really Scott is probably a big fan of David Lin. And uh, this, this robot loves uh, Lawrence of Arabia, and that's why he dyes his hair to look like Lawrence. And he seems to be at times uh, benevolent, but he he's eventually kind of a, oh, an obsessive maniac and a sadist, like Lawrence was in the in the original film. And Fast Bender, he's great. He's, he nails it. He, I think he's the best thing in Prometheus, and I think he's also probably the best actor on earth right now. He's amazing. Uh, uh, I don't know how he manages it, but every single film that I see with uh, Michael Fassbender in it, he's great. But I, I think like the film felt a bit soulless, like you know, like the robot. It doesn't have the suspense or the emotion and the thrills of the original. And I feel like when I, you know, when I watched the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you cannot really replicate the magic of these uh, classic films. They were a product of their time, and time now has changed and the way we make movies now is very different there is uh, there is a big commercial machinery that controls the the movie and uh, and the creative compromises have become the norm but anyway really scott uh, any really scott film always guarantees uh, good standards and he he knows where to place the camera his films are a visual treat and he knows how to tell a story and he knows how to entertain and his movies always have good and very intelligent ideas and he might be kind of hit and miss, uh, but he's one of the most interesting mainstream filmmakers out there. He's he's good at business too because he knows how to sell a movie. He knows what the audience wants. But I wish he took more risks instead of always kind of navigating on the safety net of a, a commercial cinema. Uh, but you know, as I say, uh, in commercial movies, uh, probably out there right now, this this might be one of the most interesting films. Uh, but yeah, disappointment for my part. Uh, disappointment from uh, Susanna. Uh, Mark liked it a bit more. I don't know what Mark uh, want to say. I, I liked it a lot. I, I think it's. Uh, I think it aims to tackle some big ideas, but by its very nature, focuses on what the characters know, and therefore ha- leaves gaps for that purpose. Because if you see the ideas through their eyes, then you're never going to get the exact answers. You're just going to see the events as they happen to the characters. Right. So, give us some final words on on Prometheus. Re- you you definitely recommend it, Mark. Yeah, I'd recommend it. I'd say it's it's probably going to be one of the more ambitious films that's going to be released this summer. It's one of the few big films that's not a superhero film, if that's not your thing, which it's not for plenty of people, it is for me. Um, as I say, some very big ideas, excellent acting throughout. I think it'd be, I think it's a bit unfair to judge it too, in, in relation too much to Alien from 1979, because as I said, it's, it's a, it's a tangential story coming off of that. And it's a different beast altogether, but I think it was—it's a very well-managed sci-fi film, which has it has its nice tense moments. I think there's, there's probably something for most people there. Right, uh, Susanna, I think had the the same feeling I had when I was watching the film. Like, oh no, I wanted it to be so good. I wanted it to be so good. Some final words there, Susanna. Yeah, I, um, this when I watched it, it wasn't kind of with the excitement, you know, of a, oh, yeah, great new film. It was kind of like, yeah, you know, this is, this is okay. This is, this is a good, you know, well-made film, but it's not great. I think it, it had a lot of wasted potential. 
And um, it was a really... I, I didn't understand why Guy Pierce was in it. Probably I mean, not many people was, know that Guy Pierce is in it, to be honest. I mean, to be because the thing is, I mean, as much money as you can spend on special effects and whatnot, making um, it somehow, he did not look believable. And um, why didn't they just hire somebody who would, you know, be I, old? I, I dare say, I dare say, there'll be a, a future cut. Because the viral marketing campaign included uh, a trailer where it was it was Guy Pierce's character as Guy Pierce is now. For those of you who know me, you will be aware by now that my ambition is unlimited. You know that I will settle for nothing short of greatness, or I will die trying. For those of you who do not yet know me, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Peter Wayland, and if you'll indulge me, I'd like to change the world. I dare say right. that footage will appear as a more extended cut. Oh, okay, okay, that would. Uh-huh. Get, I, I was thinking, why? Why was he? I mean, yeah, I was just, I was just wondering. Cause everything, to me, everything will that- get clearer on the extended cut. The director's okay. super, Let's just spend fu- some more money, it, yeah. super final cut. It, it was it was a shorter film than I thought it was going to be. Right? I, th- I was expecting at least two and a half hours. I was a bit shocked when I found out it was only two. <laughs> so I, th- I think there will be a, a deal more extra footage goes into the steel case, triple Blu-ray special edition in 10 years' time. Can I ask you something? Because you seem to have understood the film more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> in, the, in the chamber with the... Um, urns and the goo the black goo there seem to be maggots there and then the black goo spilled and then there was those you know snaky creatures in there yeah did the snaky creatures evolve from maggots how did they get there i I didn't see maggots i saw the black goo coming like sweating out of the jar um yeah my my the way I looked at it was because uh, obviously trust they open the jar and pulls out. My idea was that the snaky things or some form, some embryonic form of the snaky things, were in the urns, which when they overflowed, were then in the in the goo on the floor, which attacked people. That so was in my the way, okay, because then the goo has many many um, um, uses. Because then, you know, you, you see if you ingest it, then it does one thing. And if it spills over, then it does another. Oh, I thought it was because I, I, I saw I, that I, some maggots in the ground. That kind of uh, ties into the idea of the alien across the aliens, yes. you know, especially one yes. of three and resurrection, because whatever the host is, it mm. takes on those qualities. So that kind of ties into that a bit, I think. It's, uh, the, I thought there was a lot of evolutionary aspects to Prometheus to kind of balance out the creationist aspects. I thought that was one of them, especially like the last scenes. There's, there's a big range of life, uh, of alien life in the, in the alien film. So at least yeah. in this one, you can see how they kind of try to extend on that. Yeah. As I say, I think, I think stuff like that was, was a sort of evolutionary counterpoint to the more mm-hmm. heavily creationist themes. Because as I we think- say, the alien adapts, in the future films, it adapts to whatever it 
chest bursts out of. Maybe so. they just, I don't know, I, I, I'm thinking, I think maybe they tri- tried to put too much into that one film, too many strands of stories into this one film. Maybe that's why it kind of, it, it, it frustrated me so much, because there were so many, so many strands to it that didn't seem to make sense to me, that that frustrated me maybe that that's what it was i don't know i thought i thought you know i mean obviously it, it is a you know good sci-fi film and obviously you know i had a good time and it, you know there were some crushes c- crashes and you know danger and running and whatnot but um i i, I wouldn't say it was a film equal to alien like alien that's a that's a that's a classic it's not you know i was waiting for it like waiting for you know last part of matrix and it's just (laughs) 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 disappointed me slightly i have to say (laughs) i i think you know uh, it's not gonna reach the cult status of the of the original film i I don't think it will be remembered as a as a classic but you know like at least he's making a great effort here and uh, he creates something new within something that we already know with something that we're familiar with and I think I think I think the film is uh, very entertaining and uh, 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 visually as you said it's, it's, it's amazing it's very mm. inventive and uh, I I'd be interested to see how much of the the mess because you know the, the, I'll freely admit that there is there is a lot going on yeah. I'd be interested to see where if if David Lindelof is correct in his assertions if future films in a possible Prometheus canon slash series moving away from what's gone before, I'd be interested to see if that's cleared up and let the series live on its own two feet. Mm. I would, I, I, I would say, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good film. It's a good, you know, really nicely done film it's it just frustrated me because i think maybe i was expecting too much i don't know that's the thing uh mm. expectations that's what happens the expectations were high and it was like mm. the release of this film is it was so hyped you know, on the on the media as well but you know it's definitely far better than any other blockbuster uh, you can find out there but when these expectations are so high i think the, the disappointment is um, is inevitable but uh, I think that you know any any sci-fi fan will appreciate the experience uh, unless uh, they are pregnant. Mark, not a good <laughs> idea to bring a pregnant woman to see the film. <laughs> well, I think we can wrap it up now. Uh, this is it for episode twenty-one of the Movie Wave. Thank you guys for joining the show. For more film reviews, go to tricycle.co.uk where you can read all the issues of Tricycle Magazine for free on your PC, laptop, Android, iPhone or iPad. Tricycle Magazine is now responsible for the content of this program and all opinions and views expressed on the show are solely of the individuals. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be surfing the wave soon with our special coverage of the Edinburgh International Film Festival. Talk to you then. Cheers. This podcast is a production of Calvernet Entertainment for Tricycle Magazine. Find out more at tricycle.co.uk. That's T-R-I-S-I-C-K-L-E dot co dot U-K.